Every year, more than 23 million kids under the age of 15 end up in the emergency room. While hopefully this never happens to your family, there's a good chance you'll be visiting the ER at some point during your kid's childhood. How do you know when to go, and what should you know before you do? Today we're talking all about taking your child to the emergency room. I'm Dr. Ahmad Bailuni, and this is Parent Savers, episode 99. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Would you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome, everybody, once again to another episode of Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Parent Savers is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for parents from the newborn years through kindergarten. I'm your host, John O'Reill. Thanks again to all of our loyal listeners who join us week in and week out. And thanks also to those of you who may be listening for the first time. As you may or may not know, you can join our Parent Savers Club and receive access to special bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts from time to time. And if you haven't already, please make sure to download the free Parent Savers app. You can get it for Android or iTunes, uh, and you can automatically have access to all the great parenting advice and conversation we have on Parent Savers every week. Before we talk about taking your child to the emergency room, let's meet everybody here in studio. Uh, I am your host, uh, John O'Reill. We have three boys, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old, and they have all been to the emergency room <laughs> with varying degrees of success. Uh, and so definitely this is going to be... It, it. I guess what I would say is it's a fun topic for right now because everything's turned out with my kids being okay but it can be a very serious and, and you're scary not in topic the emergency well. room right now and we're not in the emergency room right now exactly yeah um i'm kim schultz i'm 40 years old i just turned 40 this month and happy birthday i'm turning 40 you. actually right around the time this is airing so awesome nice <laughs> um i'm a stay-at-home mom i have two boys who are four and seven so I'm Erin Estevez, otherwise known as OG Mamacita for officially geriatric mama. That's me. I am 44 and I have one little boy. He's two and a half and I am the producer of the show. And I want to take a moment to remind you or let you know that if you can't make it to our studio but would still like to participate, you can be part of our virtual panelist program and like us on Facebook. Um, I always post our questions um, or the names of our experts so that you can post your questions. And you can hashtag ParentSaversVP on Twitter. So I'm excited about this episode and I do have quite a few Facebook questions for you, Doctor. Great. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Well, before we get started, let's talk about a news headline. Um, what we do is we talk from time to time about a story that we've seen recently in the news and then kind of look at it from a parent perspective or from a pediatrician perspective, if you will, if you happen to be a pediatrician, which we don't always have in the office, but we love it when Dr. Bailuni's here. Um, and so today, uh, our, it's from a, a website called freerangekids.com, and the headline is, Grandpa Picks Up the Wrong Kindergartner 
and now parents want the world to stop in its tracks. <laughs> so what they so this is uh, they say it's a perfect illustration of the way our society works now, and it may kind of play into a little what we're talking about with the emergency room. But a great grandpa picked up the wrong kindergartner from school. The two boys had similar hats, and the one that grandpa took home had his hat pulled all the way over his head. And so the grandpa took the wrong kid home from school, got home, realized his mistake, and then alerted the school immediately. Uh, the principal called the mom to say that her son was accidentally picked up by the wrong man, someone that the school knew, and the child was not in danger. He was being returned immediately. But the mom still insisted that police and child protective services be notified. And so what this article is saying is maybe that was a little too drastic because it wasn't a criminal mistake. It wasn't harmful to the child. And it goes on to talk about how maybe as a society we've been trained to overreact, that this was a mistake, but yet it was one involving a kids. And so the question I think this article poses is, I mean, aside from how'd the kid all the, get all the way home right? Like, <laughs> with the wrong grandpa, um, great grandpa. That's really scary. Um, but, you know, is there, should the, should the mom have, have reacted like that, that you need to loop in the police? Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't really know. That's a tough call because, yeah. Right. I mean, be- yeah. and, and I think it plays into kind of what we're talking about with the emergency room. Like you only get one chance to, yeah, you get one shot. to do something like really wrong. You don't want to make any mistakes. And so their kid got picked up. But I think I think um, based on what like Kim was saying is that I think it's a bigger the bigger question is how did the kid get all the way home with this other grandpa right. and not say something? So let's say Cash was at a preschool and got picked up by the wrong person. And then you found out that they had him and they were taking him back. Well, I know Cash would never. He <laughs> right. would flip but the I know, F out. Right? But <laughs> would you say, wait, I'm going to come get him? Would you say we need to call the police? I mean, Child Protective Services seems a little drastic. That's hardcore. But you know what? Right? It's going to backlash can, on the mommy. But I can maybe understand the police aspect of it. No, I, I would call maybe. The, no, I would call the principal first because the principal yeah. is in charge of the school. Well, that's and the principal. She talked to the principal and the principal was like, hey, everything's fine. This is a right. bad mistake. And she's like, call the police, call Child Protective Services. But I think you're saying that the principal should be held yeah, responsible. Yeah, the principal yeah. should not be held the responsible, not the grandfather and not, I mean, well, the it, it, of there's a difference between priests, I guess, I have a kid in preschool, I have right. a kid who's a second grader. When I, I get the, the second grader at the end of the day, I walk in the gate mm-hmm. and he follows me out, you know, like a duck yeah. leg. I mean, yeah. that's it. Uh, the preschooler, I have to sign him in. I have to right. sign him out. That's right. a legal thing here in California. Yeah, so maybe uh, it's so, a, so not I a don't, good comparison. I don't, you know, but it's that question of... And I mean, it probably also depends on, you know, past circumstances with the family themselves. I mean, it's hard to know mm-hmm. these things, but at least coming from my background and working in emergency rooms and things like that, I mean, the world is a scary place and you really don't know who's out there or what's yeah. out there. And so it really... You never know. The family may have gone through some traumatic experience right. in the past, and she might be, you know, a little bit more on the edge than per se a normal right. a normal I, mother. So it's really hard to say just from a you know. I think it's an unfortunate mistake. I think it's kind of funny now that everything in retrospect. It's funny because everything everything's turned, turned out, out okay. okay. Just don't have your kid wear a hat. Right. Yeah. That's it. the moral <laughs> but, story is don't have your kids wear hats. Yeah. Well, <laughs> exactly. I, honestly, as you're telling that story, I'm thinking to myself, oh, I know who I would take home by accident instead right. of my child. Like, I'm not thinking about it from the yeah. other perspective. I'm thinking but, of it from the, oh, yeah, because there's a kid who looks just like my kid, just like my kid. And if I don't pay attention, look at their yeah. faces... I, and, and I think it's tough to begrudge. I think it's tough to begrudge the family for doing everything they can to make right. sure the kid is safe. Yeah. Um, and so happily, everything turned out okay. And so interesting story. Very. It good. is. 
All right, so today's topic on Parent Savers is taking your child to the emergency room. Today we're talking with Dr. Ahmad Bengluni from Sharp. Uh... I go to both Sharp Mary Birch and Sharp Joel Vista, so it doesn't matter. What All right, you say. nice. Well, thank you so much for joining us. So when, you know, what's the big red flag if parents, when does the emergency room come and play uh, for an injury or for a sickness or something? So obviously, like I preface all things, uh, I preface this with, especially with children, every single scenario is individual, right? But at the end of the day, kind of a thing I tell parents in my clinic is you should always ask yourself just a simple question. If it was the middle of the day on Wednesday, okay, and my office is open. And whatever scenario is happening with your kid happen at that time in the middle of the day on Wednesday. Would you take your kid to my office or would you take him to the emergency room? And if the answer is take him to my office, then you probably don't need to go to the emergency room. Um, That's kind of a simple way of looking at it. If you want a more structured way, the way we look at things in medicine, we use an ABCD format. Some people like mnemonics, some people don't. But what we do in medicine, the A stands for airway. So basically, for example, if you ate a carrot and your kid is choking on the carrot and can't breathe, that's probably a good reason to go to the emergency room. So you look at the airway and breathing. Okay. A B is breathing. So breathing comes to things like asthma, you know, pneumonias, colds, those type of things. If you're seeing true breathing problems where, you know, it looks like there's a hard hard time getting oxygen or just the kid is breathing so fast that it looks like he's going to tire out. That's another reason. C is circulation and that comes to things like hydration. So if your kid has had diarrhea, vomiting, and just looks, eyes are sunken in, hasn't been urinating, those kind of things, that's another good reason. And D is disability. And that addresses things that are kind of out of your control. Kid was skateboarding, fell off the skateboard, broke something. It probably can't use it. Yeah, yeah. Probably needs to be addressed right away. Well, and but so where's the line then between 911 and driving your kid to the emergency room? I think in all of our instances, and we've had to take our kids, we've driven them to the emergency yeah. room. And 911, you know, is very specific situations, obviously. So, for example, the, the first one yeah, we the talked breathing, about. Right? Yeah, if, if someone's choking on something yeah. and not breathing, it's probably not a good idea to drive them to the emergency right. room. You probably want to try and attend to them, call 911 and have someone come get you so that you can have some medical care in the house. And talk you through it right there at that moment. Too. Right. The other thing is, um, like we were talking about earlier outside, is if your kid is having a seizure and the seizure has gone on for longer than five minutes, you probably don't want to take the kid while having a seizure put him in the car and transport him. You want to attend to the kid, you know, that's having the seizure, call 911 and have someone come pick you up. So basically the answer is whenever there's something where you really can't move the kid or, you know, mobilizing them could put them in jeopardy, then the best thing to do is obviously attend to them, keep your eyes on them at all times, call 911. And that's otherwise if the kid's sitting up talking to you, but sick, probably you can drive them to the emergency well, room. Well, right? and there's a gray area too, because one of the doctors gave me the advice of just because you call the ambulance doesn't mean you take the ambulance. Right. And if you have a situation where, like my one of my sons has febrile seizures, yeah. and we were ta- and I, I've been trying to get a good answer on, okay, what do I do if he's having a seizure? Do I throw him in the car and take him to the hospital? Yeah, I dro- mm-hmm. drive him up there myself, or do I call the EMT? And somebody said, well, just if they get the care, they, you know, if the ambulance comes to your house, they can administer the care, determine whether or not you need to go to the hospital for right. for another look, for a more extensive checkout, yeah. and whether or not that needs to happen in their care with their monitoring, or whether you th- you, they feel like it's safe for you to take them in your car. So there is kind of a, an 
an in-between area. That just, is incredibly liberating. Can it? I just tell you that right now? <laughs> I, mean, I feel such a sense of relief because... Yeah. I did too when you told me that. It's like, just because yeah. you call the ambulance doesn't, doesn't mean you have to take, take the it. ambulance. Oh and my I was gosh. Like, <gasps> well, and right. And so then it becomes a matter of dealing with however long it takes the ambulance to get there. Even say on a long right. thing, it's probably 10 minutes. Yeah. Like right. on the long end. And I don't know the six. I'm sure it's faster than that. Usually, or maybe longer in your Depends case. Depends where you live. <laughs> Depends where you live. But that versus going to the emergency room, even if you park right out front or drop off because both parents are there and right. go park the car, then you've got to go through the check-in process. Like It's not like all my experiences in being in an ER, I'll ask you if it's like this, is you know you don't often see people just get pulled, carried straight to the back unless they're coming in on an ambulance. If people usually, no. pe- that I see people that you show up. That's happened to us all has the time. It gone through? Oh yes. Well, so how does it work? How does it work? It, how ERs work is there's a triage process. So, you know, uh, an emergency room is kind of like an operator. Okay, you have all these phone calls, which aren't phone calls; they're emergency room visits coming right. in, and someone has to decide which of these is more critical than others. Okay, and so that's the process that's going on. So yeah, yeah if there's something that's serious enough, it, there are the rare cases where it does get wheeled in right away and things get taken care of really fast right. because that's what the situation calls for. So, I think but a lot of times when they're that serious. An ambulance is involved. No, um, no. I mean, I've. Are I guess we've never gone in an ambulance. No, let me amend that. We've gone in an ambulance <laughs> once, and that was from Disneyland because Disneyland made us take an ambulance. And how many times? Have, and th- and th- and I mean, I don't know. I was thinking it's like we've been to the ER like ten times. Can you give us a little context, a more context for your situation? Oh, or, sure. Yeah. Um, I have a son who has asthma, and mm-hmm. when he was first diagnosed, and we were learning the signs of what to look for. Um, he had two very bad asthma attacks. He had one at Disneyland, and we recognized that he was retracting and having problems breathing, and we went mm-hmm. to first aid at Disneyland, and they did take us in an ambulance to the local hospital mm-hmm. where he immediately got treatment. But the second one, we woke up and drove him in the night. We know he uh, he was retracting, which is when you're using the muscles of your sides mm-hmm. to suck in air if, you're, if you can't breathe. Um, and... It was my husband and I, and we went right to Rady Children's ER, and they did not wait for me to finish filling out the paperwork. They (laughs) came and took him out of my arms. But it it still started that you had to go talk to someone at the glass. No. I mean, I was in line, and they took him. Right. So you went to... I guess... Right. Yeah, but I mean... But so they had to make the assessment, right? Like you... No, I was waiting in line, and they came and took him out of the line. But I guess what I'm saying is that you're in line, like... Well, I know, but it's not like I was going to hang out there. I guess I right. walked in with a kid who was breathing not well, and right. they basically they took yeah him. they assessed they the assessed situation it. and they said he needs to be taken immediately, exactly. so they took him. And so that's part of the assessment you're talking right. about, right? Yeah, I mean, you're every, saying the same thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah every everybody's <laughs> going to get assessed one way or another, yeah. whether that's yeah. very rapidly or it looks like your kid is kind of fine and and is going to get assessed a little bit slower. Right. Obviously, with anything, I, I like to preface anything, you know, whether it's giving a vaccine or going to the emergency no system is perfect and it's never going to be. So, yeah, even the triage process, you might have a kid that's sicker and just doesn't look sicker and so doesn't get triaged as fast as he probably should have. But that is kind of the nature of the emergency room. The, the, the emergency room is exactly what the first word of it is. It's an emergency. And so yeah. a lot of things there are being 
process very rapidly by honestly not that many doctors. And so sometimes as a parent, I think it helps to understand that because right. it gets it's a very sometimes frustrating process to go there and be. Yeah. And know, I think you don't understand. And I think that like you may as a parent be sitting there because your kid's not breathing right, but it's not as dramatic as a seizure or having the 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 really bad asthma attack and then you know having the perspective of folks that are sitting there to see other people go in hey i was here for it. it's not like you, you don't get served exactly. in the order that in the order which you came you don't no. you You're don't you don't as a parent have the grand view of everything that's going on in the emergency room. So you can't, it's hard to feel sympathetic because you're there concerned about your child. And so then, you know, usually there's different rooms kind of in the back, right? Exam rooms. Yes. Triage rooms. Right. Yeah. And so there'll be people in all these different ones. And then you've got the nurses and the doctors kind of going and there's still that assessment, I guess, constantly being going on. Right. Yeah. So basically how it usually works kind of in terms of structure is there's a nurse usually assigned to a couple rooms in the ER. And so she manages those rooms. So she's got certain responsibilities. So if you're in a room for four hours, for example, she has to have done vitals an X number of times, depending on what the situation calls for. The doctor has to keep an eye on your labs and interview you and see what's going on. So there's a lot of people involved in the process of, of caring for your child. And that's, I think, I think sometimes as a parent, it's just, it's good to ask questions. I think at the end of the day, as long as you're right. you're asking the right questions, then usually it leads to a less frustrating experience. So I have a question. Sure. <laughs> How do you determine? I don't know if if um, this is nationwide, but here in California, we have urgent care mm-hmm. and we have emergency rooms. That's a good question. So how do you determine which do you go to? Because as I understand, based on my own experience, they can't take care of everything in urgent care. There was a a study that came out last year in 2013, um, and it was looking at the most common reasons people in the United States go to the emergency rooms. And it found that the number one most common reason, 27% of visits, was upper respiratory infections, which we call the common cold. And that's in the pediatric population. So... Basically, urgent cares, the way I I see them is urgent cares are there for sick visits. So sometimes, for example, I'm sure you guys as parents have had this experience. You call your doctor and you say, my kid is sick, has X and Y. Is it sick enough to go to the emergency room? You just want your doctor to lay eyes on them and rest, you know, make tell you what's going on. But your doctor's too busy that day. I think that's a good reason to go to the urgent care. Or, for example... I don't know. For some reason, you were letting your kid prepare their own peanut butter jelly sandwich. They cut their finger. It's not a bad cut, but it looks like it could need stitches. It's a little bit deeper than your usual cut. That's probably urgent care. Fine. They could just stitch it up and there's no reason to bother the emergency room physicians with that. Right. You know, emergency room, like I said, is something that even if your pediatrician's office was open, it just seems serious enough that... You know, even if you went to your pediatrician, he's just going to send you to the emergency room. So that's when you should go to the emergency room. Yeah. Zyler just split the back of his head open a little bit about a week ago. And we, ur- urgent care. I didn't even think it crossed my mind to go to the emergency room. They because he was fine. Or? Yeah, two two staples. Um, and it didn't even cross my mind to go to the emergency room. But also, I wouldn't have just gone to the doctor with it. Like, we needed to right. get it. Because it wasn't actively bleeding. He was totally in good fine. And I could tell that he hadn't been concussed. And so... We made the assessment to go to urgent care. 
Um, let's talk, let's take a quick break. I want to talk a little more about parents as advocates and the questions that they can ask and what the parents role is once they get to the emergency room. Um, so we'll, we'll be right back. Welcome back everybody. Today we're talking about taking your child to the emergency room with Dr. Ahmad Bayluni. Uh, so parents are really the advocates for the kids there, especially like younger kids that can't talk or if they're sick enough, they can't really communicate, even though kids can be pretty good at expressing the pain and, and the doctors and the nurses do need to talk to them. So what should parents know about going to the emergency room and what questions should they be ready to ask or when should they fade into the background? So I think um, there's a couple of things to know. Number one is what we were talking about in the first segment where that doctor in the emergency room may or may not be, depending on what's going on in the emergency room, be taking care of something very serious, sometimes even life-threatening. Yeah, I always wonder about that. And so you have to remember those doctors are a little bit different. They're not your pediatrician, okay? They're not wearing a clown tie. (laughs) Bedside manner aside. Looking for the monkey. I'm not going to say (laughs) ill about anyone. Right. (laughs) But they're dealing with a lot of different stuff. But pediatricians are nicer. No, um, but in all seriousness, we're all human. Even I think that's one of the things as a doctor that I never get a chance to say because no one ever, nobody ever asks you, well, how are you feeling? You know, that's not part of the thing. And it's and it really right. doesn't matter. But that doctor themselves is going through a lot of things in their own mind. They're going through a lot of stresses, a lot of different scenarios that they're replaying with other patients, you, your child. And so it's always good to ask them simple questions just to kind of see where they're at and, and see what's being done to your kids so you have a little peace of mind. Yeah. And, and those simple questions are like, what are you thinking? What What do you think this possibly could be when it comes to your own child's you know, illness? Mm-hmm. Um you know, if they're going to order lab tests, make sure to ask what they're ordering. Because a lot of times, for example, when I see patients come out of the ER, they usually follow up in my office in a couple of days. I'm like, well, did they do lab there? And they're like, yeah, they took some blood. What word is it? I don't know. You know, that because it's so the ER and it's hectic and there's yeah. things come and get drawn and you don't know what happened. So it's good to ask like, yeah, it's good to ask. What are the different possibilities? What tests are you ordering? And then when you, if you're going to leave the ER, so it's it winds up being something that you get sent home from, it's good to ask, well, um, is there anything I need to follow up on? Is there anything pending? Is there any tests that are still going to come back? And is there anything my doctor should know? Excellent. That, that wouldn't have occurred to me. Yeah, I think it's really interesting just to try to have the perspective of all the other stuff that they're dealing with too. And I mean, as a parent, you also kind of know if you're in the emergency room, there's something wrong, but then also having the perspective of, does this need immediate attention? Or if somebody just got in a car accident and has a, and I mean, I think it's, yeah. And it's, it's something like you expect your doctor to kind of tell you these things, right? So you don't necessarily want to seem like you're pushing their buttons right but at the same time like they're in an emergency room and like i said they're human and and as long as you ask in a respectful way and like make sure you know that you're just being an advocate for your child i don't nobody ever gets pissed that you're asking too many questions it's just when you know when you're not considerate that there are other people in the (laughs) emergency room yeah um but then so then there's a follow-up process too after uh, after like each emergency room visit like it gets reviewed by other doctors too there is. And, and there's a couple of things that go on. Number one, most emergency rooms, well, all emergency rooms, track their own visits. They track what pay, you know, what diagnosis there were, how those diagnoses were worked on. So, for example, 
if your kid has a cold, they track whether labs were drawn or whether the emergency room physician just diagnosed it as a cold and sent you home. And then also there's a follow-up. So most of the time, I'm sure you've seen when you, if you take your kid to the emergency room, they're going to tell you, go see your pediatrician in X number of days. And usually you go see your pediatrician and the pediatrician reviews with you what happened in the emergency room. How's your kid doing now? What medications are they on? And do we need to do anything else? And that, that last part is really the most critical is going to see your own doctor. Because if your own doctor doesn't know that your kid went to the emergency room and has no, you know, perspective on this, then that's really a mismanagement of care. The whole point of having a primary care doctor is that yeah, yeah. and know what's going on. Yeah. When we went to um, Whitaker broke his uh, his leg, but they missed it in the emergency room and they basically sent Christina home and we had to split up because I would watch the other kids and didn't. And um, they were x-raying the wrong part of his leg. Wow. And so they had done it a couple times and got home. And I'm like, something's wrong. And so I, the next day, I actually went to urgent care. And then as we were driving to urgent care, the doctor followed up. The emergency room people followed up. And we're like, hey, we were kind of looking, and we think we saw something on this different part of the leg. And I'm like, yeah, we're pretty sure you are you guys missed it. So we're headed up there. So as a parent, like, you got to follow your gut, too. Yeah. And, and, I mean, that's the thing. You know, medicine is really hard. To, sometimes, like, I wa- you know, I'm a big sports fan, so I watch ESPN, and I'm like, I wish I had these people's jobs because even if you predict who wins the Super Bowl and you're not right, like, it doesn't matter, yeah. you know? <laughs> you know, but at the what? end of the day, when you, yeah, when you're a physician or any really buddy in the healthcare field, it's hard to – and mistakes do happen, and they're always – we're never going to have a perfect system. We're all human. And, and so I think as a parent – yeah, be an advocate for your child. There is nothing wrong with that. You don't want to be the annoying person that's, right. you know, but but it is. If you feel something hasn't been done right or if you feel something's still not, you know, there's some loose ends that don't feel quite right, go back to your pediatrician, go back to the emergency room. You got to do what you got to do to keep your kid's health, you know. It can parents cross? Is there a line that parents can cross, though? and Or is everyone kind of understand that they're a little bit crazy because their kids are going through something pretty we we usually understand but there is obviously lines sometimes people cross and and it's hard to really judge anyone it's it's you know a doctor makes a mistake a parent makes a mistake what are some mistakes parents might make i mean it's just not understanding the chaos chaos that is the emergency room so you know your child's sick you're there and you want things done right away and you want to leave and that's not how the emergency room (laughs) works so there is a reason why sometimes you go and you wait in the emergency room four hours, and it's not because they don't care about you and they yeah. they charge you for your time or anything. It's just because there's a lot going on in the emergency room. Yeah. Well, yeah. and there's other things that, like, one of my kids uh, who has febrile seizures, I had given him fever-reducing medicine, and I couldn't remember if I had given him ibuprofen or acetaminophen that day. Mm-hmm. And he had spiked 104-something fever, and they were trying to get it down, and I... One of the things that they tell you to do is bring the bottles of any medication you've given to a kid. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go to the ER, bring it with you. And I mm-hmm. hadn't done that. And it was the moment of one of them, you can give another dose. One of them, you give the other medicine. And which one had I given him? And they needed to get his fever down quickly. And so finally they did the math and said, you know what? We can just give this one. It'll be okay. You know, it's this many hours. But 
taking all the medications that you've given a child or good. anything if that's you're going to go point. out the door to the ER that's something you can do that's useful so that that brings me to what I wanted to ask you is that what what are some tips that you can give parents in that minute when you know dad is carrying the kid to the car and mom is grabbing things on her way out to the car what do I grab what do I take what what do I do? I'm panicking. So that's a really good question. And uh, um, I think obviously, like you said, if there's medications that you've been on, it's always a good idea to take those medications, the actual like bottles. Because in the doctor world, we're much more nerdy. And so even if you say the name of medication, sometimes we want to know like, what dose was it? Was it because it comes in different constant, especially pediatric medications. Pediatric medications are very different than adult medicine. Adult medicine, usually like there's a pill, and it's this milligrams and you take it. And in pediatric, there's like different concentrations of one medicine. There's like three different possibilities. And parents so, pour out yeah. different yeah. amounts. <laughs> so if you can, obviously remember to take those medications. helpful. Otherwise, though, if it's a situation where you're honestly going to the emergency room and it is a true emergency, just go to the emergency room. You know, I, no, 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 no. Because you're the doctor. <laughs> no, you're the doctor. <laughs> Seriously, you're going to have things to do from your perspective. From my perspective as a parent, you're going to be there for six hours. Right. That's take true. take your phone charger. Right. Take take the phone. extra iPad. <laughs> take an extra iPad if you are if you are in a situation where you have to take more than one child because you're the parent and yeah. you're at home and the other kid is there and you all got to go make sure that kid has homework Activities. or a book yeah. or depending on the age just something to do you know generally speaking we have an activity bag for our kids if we're going to a restaurant or whatever it's coloring books it's you can throw the ipads in there so grab the activity bag right a snack something a snack i definitely take a snack but i think with dr well, well, i agree i'm saying it's a huge i'm saying true emergency if it's a really bad emergency with the knife sticking out of there oh. then you call well, the yeah but then you call 911 if if you have the minute <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just for everybody listening, he pointed he pointed to the knife in the neck. Yes, yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Um, for more information about taking your child to the emergency room, for our listeners, you can go to parentsavers.com and visit our episode page. We'll continue the conversation with Dr. Bailoni after the show. Um, we're going to talk a little about emergency rooms and insurance and how that's maybe affected uh, care recently or maybe hasn't affected but i think it has affected it so for more information about that uh in the club and how to join visit parentsavers.com hi parent savers this is the daddy complex i'm david vienna father of twin boys and if my experience has taught me anything about parenting it's that i know nothing about parenting once your baby becomes a toddler you will never be on time again ever not an exaggeration. Your friends will simply assume that when you say you'll be somewhere at 10 a.m. on a Monday, it means 11.30 a.m., and that's if things go well. If not, it means Thursday. You will also learn how to commute to work at speeds that would make a top fuel dragster look like a radio flyer. And if you think you're too organized for this to happen, trust me, it applies to pretty much everyone, because even militantly anal clock watchers will experience this often enough to either adapt or go insane. My wife and I used to battle to get the boys through the morning routine. Wake up, go potty, dress for school, eat breakfast, get in the car, and depart. As my mother-in-law says, it's not rocket surgery. The problem for us and other parents is any number of these steps could and inevitably do take much longer than planned. For example, whether or not our son Boone decides to spend 15 minutes on the potty remains a wild card. Why do these seemingly simple steps take so long? 
Pick any combination of the following choices, and for parents of twins or triplets, multiply it. Refusing to eat, wanting to be fed by one of us, wanting to be held by one of us rather than getting dressed, arguing why Go Diego Go should be watched, running and or screaming, unhappiness with choice of clothing even if said child picked it out, unhappiness with the choice of breakfast even if said child picked it out, more running and or screaming, random and sometimes imagined injuries sustained while running and or screaming, hunting for a specific toy that was absently flung across the room the previous night, impromptu game of hide-and-seek, conversation about whether or not giraffes dance, potty accident, puking caused by unforeseen illness, trying to ride the dog like a Shetland pony, simple lollygagging, even more running and or screaming. And adjusting the timeline to start the process earlier doesn't help. It just gives your child more time to mess around. Toddlers and preschoolers simply have too much to do to adhere to your randomly chosen schedule. Just getting in the car takes 20 minutes, unless, of course, you've allotted 10 minutes for it, in which case it will take anywhere from 20 minutes to a fortnight. This may sound absolutely infuriating, but my wife and I have hit upon a fantastically simple solution. We made peace with being late. We go to bed each night knowing the next morning will feature us barking instructions and requests at the boys over and over, followed by a mad dash to work. And because of that adjustment, we sleep better and enjoy our mornings more. Sometimes we even prolong that conversation about dancing giraffes. Check out more of my terrible advice at thedaddycomplex.com, The Huffington Post, or on Twitter at The Daddy Complex. You can also view episodes of Fighting with Babies, my puppet web series for parents at thedaddycomplex.com slash FWB. And be sure to keep listening to Parent Savers for more fatherly tips. That wraps up our show for today. Thanks so much for listening to Parent Savers. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for Expecting Parents, the boob group for moms who breastfeed, and Twin Talks for parents of multiple kids. Next week, we'll be talking about another great topic of interest to parents everywhere because this is Parent Savers, and we are empowering new parents. Woohoo! This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of new mommy media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care, and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.